Hey guys, before we roll into this next episode, I wanted to thank you all for the kind words that you've left on social media and for all of you that you have subscribed and left reviews. Those reviews help me keep this podcast free. And Matthews, one of my sponsors, was gracious enough to give me a bow to give away to one of you fans that has subscribed and left a review. So if you'd like to win a brand new Halon 32 with a six inch brace height in a Sika Elevated 2 camo. All you need to do is subscribe on iTunes and leave me a review and you'll be entered to win. And I'll be giving away that bow the first week of June to one lucky winner. So thanks again and enjoy the next episode. Hi, and welcome to the interviews with the Haunting Masters, brought to you by TheOutdoorInsiders.com, your number one spot for inside information and quality gear. Um, I want to thank everybody out there that's been leaving reviews and uh, all the comments and questions that have been coming through, through my social media and on the podcast itself. Uh, Those reviews that you leave help me keep this podcast free and help us with our ranking, especially in iTunes. Um, we've been getting a lot of questions about tracking wounded game. Um, so I remember reading a book a while back and, uh, I went back through my library and I found the book and, and I looked up the author. Um, so I got with us on the phone today, uh, Richard P. Smith, and he's an award-winning outdoor writer. He's a photographer, uh, he lives in the Upper Peninsula of, of Michigan, and uh, he's been hunting whitetail and, and black bear for like 50 years. Um, he's recognized as an expert on whitetail deer and has written several books, but the one in particular, Tracking Wounded Deer, is uh, why I have him on today. So how you doing, Richard? Great. How are you? I'm great. Just uh, enjoying the day. we got some nice weather. And, uh, you know, looking forward to, uh, you know, moving through spring here a little bit faster. We yeah, get I'm sure the weather's the a lot nicer there than it is here. We've got temperatures <laughs> in the 20 and it's snowing. Oh, geez. Yeah, we're going to probably get into the 90s today. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's been pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like it's unseasonably hot. Uh, usually we don't really get much over 80 until, uh-huh. you know, end of April. Uh, but, yeah, March is usually we get really, you know, we still get really cold moorings and whatnot. Not really cold, but, you know, in the 50s or whatever. But it hasn't really mm-hmm. been. It's, it's been basically just dipping below 70 and, and, and now, and you know, getting up into the 90s during the day. So it's been pretty, pretty darn hot. Yeah, major so, difference in weather there. Yeah, absolutely. I got another buddy of mine. That I just spoke to you the other day up in uh, upstate New York, and he's got like 36 inches of snow. I'm like, oh my god, that's crazy! Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. Just a few hour flight difference in what you can what you can accomplish in, in change of uh, environment. So, um, well, why don't you give us a little bit about yourself and give us a rundown about uh, what you do and, and what you've done. Well, I'm a full-time outdoor writer and photographer, and I've been doing it for, well, 30 or 40 years now, uh, full-time. 
<clears throat> I contribute to uh, both state, regional, and national magazines, outdoor magazines, and I've written um, 27 books now. 27? Oh, my God. That's, and, I didn't uh, realize there were that many. Produced uh, a couple of DVDs, too, um, including I started shooting. I spent most of my career shooting still photos, but in 2003 I started shooting video as well. And mm -hmm. um, with, through the video that I've amassed since then, uh, I've produced the two DVDs, one on bear hunting and on one on walking with whitetails. Awesome. I haven't caught the DVDs. I know I... I've seen your other books, and um, I think I I perused through one or two when I was uh, doing research when I wrote my book uh, several years back, and um, and and I know I, I had the I have the tracking with the game book, but um, or I'm tracking with the deer book rather. I uh, I didn't realize you were 27 books on. Huh? They're all they're all hunting related. Yeah. Uh, mostly on deer hunting and, and uh, some on bear hunting, black bear hunting. Awesome. That's pretty cool. And a lot so of that keeps me huh? busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, like I said earlier, I got you on the phone today mainly because I want to talk about uh, – the tracking wounded deer book and, and your expertise on this. We get a lot of questions about it all the time. And, you know, it's such a, for me, I feel like it's such a hard thing to, to answer because yeah, there's rule of thumbs, but it's always, you know, one of these things that it's, it's very situation specific. Exactly. You know? Every deer is different and it yeah. can make a big difference from one deer to the next, depending on, where they're hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've all we've all witnessed it. My cousin Paul has got to be the luckiest man ever. Um, I mean, he his last three bow kills were all terrible shots, and the deer all went like less than a hundred yards and like piled up. Mm -hmm. I mean, he 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 hit a he hit a buck like literally just just in front of his rear hip. Like in that almost where you would think the no man's zone is, you know, no man's land zone is right there. No guts, mm -hmm. you know, right, right high and everything. And oh my God, this thing bled so, so much. It was just crazy. You never he know what. Cut, he probably cut the aortic artery, which is high in the back, um, mm -hmm. just below the spine. And any, and when you're bow hunting using an arrow, um, the amount of, bleeding that occurs is the what kills the animal it's right. not shock like with a firearm so even if you make a poor hit and cut a major blood vessel the arrow is going to do the job right right yep absolutely so you know i i never really know what to say to people you know i give them you know everything that i've that i've learned it's all experience based and my own experiences and 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 dealing with, uh, you know, helping other people find game and stuff like that. But I'd kind of like to put it into some kind of a system to kind of help people, people out, mm -hmm. so, so to speak. So do you have, like, a checklist or a system that you have in place? Um, well, you know, if yeah. you could, like, walk me through a shot recovery. Sure. Uh, basically, you want to 
absorb as much information as you possibly can about where the deer was when you shot at it, what position it was toward you, whether it was broadside, angling away, angling toward you, or what position that animal was. Mm-hmm. And you once you take that shot, you want to keep that animal in view as long as possible and mark visually, mentally, mark where that animal goes out of sight. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you're hunting in thick woods, hunting close, um, sometimes a deer can be out of sight in one or two bounds. So you can rely on your hearing after a deer goes out of sight. Listen for it bounding off and listen for a crash to see if it goes down soon after it goes out of sight. And if it does, you know, mentally mark that location. If you, I always have a compass with me. Um, mm-hmm. And if I, especially on a long shot situation where a deer may be 100 yards or farther away when I take a shot, when I may take my compass out and take a compass reading on where that deer went out of my sight as a reference, and then I pick a tree or a boulder or a bush, some landmark to key mm-hmm. in on to serve as a guide uh, where I last saw that deer. And if I'm hunting from a tree stand or ground mine, a fixed position, there's no need to mark my position. But if if I were walking or still mm-hmm. hunting, when I happen to see a deer and take a shot, I may leave um, an orange hat or um, orange glove or some marker where I took the shot as a reference as well. Right. So it's important if you're not hunting from a fixed position uh, to mark your location when you took the shot as well as where the deer was standing when you shot and where it went out of sight. Those are key bits of information that you want to um, absorb, uh, mentally make a note of uh, in each situation where you shoot a deer. Right. That's basically my checklist. And with experience, it becomes easier to do these things. Mm-hmm. And then so, one... Okay, go ahead. And Sorry. if you're confident you've made a good hit, a good shot on the animal, um, then you proceed to where the animal was when you took your shot and you thought you hit it or you know you hit it, whichever it is, and then proceed along the course you saw it take to where it went out of sight. And usually there's always hair uh, knocked off by a bullet or an arrow where a deer was standing when it was hit. Uh, You can look for those pieces of hair that are knocked off. Um, A lot of people don't know this, John, but deer hair varies dramatically over the uh, whitetail's anatomy. Um, Mm -hmm. By looking at hair, you can get an idea where that piece of hair came from based on its length and coloration and to help confirm where you hit the animal. If you made a good shot in the chest cavity, you've taken out the lungs or the heart, it's not normally necessary to wait very long at all. You can proceed along the blood trail, and the animal should be within 100 to 200 yards at the farthest. Um, where, where it gets tricky is if you've made a poor hit, you've hit an animal 
um, in the middle of the body or even in the in the rear portion of the body where you, there's a potential gut shot, uh, that's where it's important to take your time. And if you've confirmed you made a gut shot, you've seen your arrow hit or you've seen the uh, – a, a deer that's gut shot typically will hunch up and um, walk in a hunched position or run in a hunched position out of sight. Mm-hmm. You see that sign. Uh, it's an idea that you want to wait. You don't want to follow up right away on a gut shot deer, one that isn't going to die quickly. You want to give it some time to weaken and and die. So you want to back off, uh, back out of there before following the animal. How how long typically do you usually wait? Well, would you it, say for for a gut shot deer, at least four hours to wait on a gut shot deer before going after it. Sometimes, if it's late in the day, when I when I've made a poor hit on a deer, and uh, there's no rain forecast, it's going to be dry overnight, and the temperatures are going to be cool. I usually wait until the next morning, and that can mm-hmm. be seven eight hours or even longer. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives the animal plenty of time to expire from the from the injury and the main reason you want to back off uh and not push an animal that's gut shot is a gut shot the entry and entry and exit wounds can plug with uh intestines and fat and not leave much of a blood trail so it's important not to push the animal if the entry and exits are plugged it's not going to leave a blood trail and if you jump it prematurely they can go a half mile or further and making it very difficult to follow up on the animal right now let's just start throwing out some scenarios and stuff like that just before we get to uh let's say you see the arrow hit and you see it hit far back potentially gut shot maybe liver um but the arrow he leaves with the arrow in him it's not a pass through there's no there's no visible blood for the first i don't know 20 30 yards of where you shot him at um you know you already said wait come back you waited four hours six hours maybe you start your trail what what are some of the things that you could be doing to to improve your chances of finding this animal? Well, you always want to be prepared for a follow-up shot, especially if you're suspecting you've got a gut shot. Um, Even if you've waited four to six hours, or even if you've waited overnight, uh, sometimes it takes longer for deer to expire from that type of hit. You always want to be ready for a follow-up shot in case the animal is still alive and if it is, you want to shoot it quickly and finish it as, as quickly as possible. So you want to move along the blood trail very slowly, cautiously, and quietly to reduce the chances it's going to, you're going to give your position away. And look ahead to the left, right, as well as straight ahead. Keep an eye out for the animal as you're blood trailing it. If you've got someone to help you, you can have a, a, a partner on the blood trail, and you can be off to the side 
looking ahead as they follow the blood uh, so you can divert all of your attention to try and spotting that deer ahead. Makes sense. And so, but uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sir. I guess I what I was getting say, at is, if there is no blood to be following, what what are you looking for to? Uh, well, you know, because often the, you won't have you won't have blood at least you know for the first maybe hundred yards or so sometimes when uh, when it's a bad shot you know because yeah it takes one a while the, for the blood. One of the things that it's important to do or that you can do. When you're during this time, you're waiting uh, before following up on a gut shot deer. Is uh, if you can't find blood, uh, there are a number of people who train dogs for mm -hmm. uh, following wounded deer. Um, New York State has a group called Deer Search Incorporated. Um, yep. They're a very good group of volunteers that help hunters recover deer they're not able to find. And there's also a United Blood Trackers Association. Yeah, and um, I know I, John. Okay, John Genini? Yep. Yeah, so do I. So I, if you suspect you've got a gunshot and you're concerned about having a poor blood trail, I would touch bases with someone who has a dog uh, for trailing wounded deer, and perhaps ask if they'll be on standby or go with you when you go to start following up on the animal in case there is no blood trail, so they can be right there with you to help out if you don't have a blood trail to start with. Uh, you can't beat the nose of a trained dog uh, that has experience following wounded deer. They can do amazing things, and especially... Uh, on gutshot deer, there's a lot of scent associated with that type of injury, and dogs can follow uh, in areas where there's no visible blood. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of the western states don't allow blood dogs. Even leashed, blood even leashed dogs. Yeah, uh -huh. even leashed. Arizona, not... where, I'm, where I live, is one of those states. I think they're trying to change it, but... Um, right. Yeah, well, that's I know all up, up the eastern seaboard, no problem. Heck, you go down south, you know, you, you don't even have to have them leashed. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty crappy. So that's why we yeah. get a lot of these questions because we're forced to be the bloodhounds. I've actually done that before. I've actually used my nose and kind of smelled things and smelled the, smell the mm -hmm. guts and whatnot. And, um, you know, I tracked, I tracked a buck. I shot a, a, a forky horn velvet mule deer here, uh, I don't know, like 12, 13, maybe more, 14 years ago. And um, and I hit him a little far back. And I hit him a little far back. I hit him a little low. Um, and I was literally on my hands and knees for like 120 yards, just finding little, little specks of bile, little whatever. And I was mm -hmm. kind of like sniffing, sniffing my way. And it right. wasn't until he tried to jump a fence and I guess his gut, his entrails got wrapped on the, uh, it was the craziest thing too, wrapped mm -hmm. on the barbed wire and he literally pulled everything out. Heart, heart, lungs, gut, everything came out. Like, like if I had dressed him. And so he, he went, was not far from there. <laughs> you, you want to laugh? He went a, almost a hundred yards, like 75 yards. 
Beyond there? Beyond there, with nothing wow. in them. Because I, I guess when he jumped, it came, I, I mean, it came out all in one shot. And then, right. you know, with that momentum that he had, he probably bounded two or three more times, and then, you know, then he was done or whatever. But I, I didn't even have that, to... I didn't have to skin him or I mean I didn't have to gut him or anything. It was, it right. was pretty, that shows pretty how cool. Tough they can be. Yeah, unbelievable. So But with but, in, uh, in areas where you can't fall back on a, a dog for tracking when there's no blood trail. Uh, that's why it's important to keep a deer in sight as long as possible. In open terrain where there's not a lot of trees, um if you make a poor hit on a deer and it runs out of sight, it's important to run up as far as you can, so you can see that deer again, to a vantage, to a vantage point where you can see that deer, and keep it in view as far as possible. Um, mm-hmm. Gutshot deer will very seldom go more than a couple yard, a couple hundred yards before lying down, and if you can see a gutshot deer lie down and mark it, uh, you can just stay in that vantage point and watch it as it weakens, and keep track of it. That's an advantage of open terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, with if you can't, if you're not finding a blood trail, uh, get a group of buddies together, you know, four or five, and spread out in a line with one person uh, in the middle on the line you saw that deer take with a couple people out to the sides, and you spread out in a line going in the direction that deer ran and work back and forth, you can do a grid search that way with a group of people in mm-hmm. looking for the deer or looking for spots of blood as you move through in this grid search. And if you don't see the deer, you can often find blood that it's left and help locate the animal that way. But I've we've done grid searches for both deer and bear and um, managed to find the animals that went less than 100 yards in a number of cases. Cool. Yeah, we've uh, definitely definitely incorporated that. But I guess, um, you know, a lot of times I've always uh, followed, you know, running tracks, if, you know, mm-hmm. if, it's, if they're available, obviously, um, and, and, and looking for freshly broken broken brush or, uh, you know, disturbed leaves, whatever, just to give mm-hmm. any kind of indication as to the direction that the deer had had gone. Um, just this past year, um, I actually shot an elk. I hit him high. I, I mean, I hit him in high lungs. And, mm-hmm. you know, because it's such a big animal, it, and it – and the arrow, although it was a pass-through, it wasn't a complete pass-through. Like, it, it, it was a through-and-through. Through. The arrow was poking out the other side. Right. Um, so it was basically plugging up both holes. And, you know, the chest cavity has to fill up with blood before blood starts coming out of that hole that's super high. Exactly. Um, yeah. So he, and he went a long ways, a long ways. But if it wasn't for the fact that it had been raining and there was a bunch of mud and I could pick out the bull track from all these cows, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't know that we would have found him. Um, cause before he started bleeding consistently, he had probably gone, I don't know, close to 200 yards. 
Uh-huh. And it was like 300 before I found my arrow. And then another 100 before I found him. Mm. So one of the one of the key attributes um, of a successful uh, game recovery is persistence. It's important to be persistent. You've you've confirmed, you've hit the animal, you've found blood, or you've seen hair, or you saw your arrow hit, or you heard your bullet hit. You've confirmed you've you've got a wounded animal. It's important to eliminate all the alternatives of where that animal may have gone um, before giving up. And one of those alternatives is going to prove to be the right one. It's just a matter of keeping keeping on, being persistent, going from one alternative to another alternative until you find the right one. Right. Well, let me throw this at you. So you, you've, you've got a you've gut shot an animal, and you ran out of blood. There's really no visible sign. You don't have the ability, you know, to get five friends. You might have one other buddy come and help you. What, what are some rules of thumb, you know? Gutshot deer have a tendency to go to water. Mm-hmm. If you've got creeks, ponds, rivers, whatever water might be in that vicinity, and they tend, and wounded animals tend to go downhill too. If you're in hilly or mountainous terrain, um, so going downhill and looking for water sources, uh, you might find the animal in one of those water sources. Um, Gutshot deer tend to get feverish and thirsty, and that's often why they seek out water to help cool down and to drink. And that's often where you might find them. Right. Now, I've also heard, too, um, heard and had some experience with uh, that they that they seek their, their sanctuary or their bedding area, uh, you know, head for the thicker stuff to get, right. you know, fine cover, basically. Yeah, something going to thick habitat is good, too, as well as downhill. And um, look for uh, scavenging birds like ravens, vultures, um, mm-hmm. magpies. Uh, the scavenging birds from an elevated position, they can often see a deer, a white belly of a deer that's down. And um, I've often keyed in on ravens in this part of the country to help locate uh, wounded deer or deer that had died that we were looking for. Uh, But vultures can be good to key in on as well. Absolutely. I've heard even, um, you know, you, you spent the whole day looking, haven't found them, and go out there in the evening and listen for where the coyotes are making the ruckus mm-hmm. impossible yeah, that to use that as. And I've, I've interviewed hunters who have actually used um, airplanes and helicopters to locate dead deer uh, in grassy grassland country where there's oh, wow. not a lot of trees. But you, from ground level, you can't see through the grass. But if you get up in an airplane or a helicopter, I know some hunters – who have recovered deer that they've spotted from the air that way, just like a, 
a raven or a vulture would have spotted it. Mm-hmm. How does uh, how does one uh, you know other than the obvious, but how does one become more proficient at tracking? Well, if, trial and error practice actually practice is the best way to do so. But mm-hmm. one of the best ways to prepare. Uh, to reduce the chances that you're going to have to follow deer that you shoot very far is to practice shooting, both mm-hmm. with bow and arrow and firearms. Shot placement is plays a critical role in how far the deer travel after they shot. If you make a chest cavity shot on a deer, white tail, mule deer, black tail, uh, which is what you want to do in every case, where you take out the lungs or the heart, very seldom will an, atom, an animal that's fatally hit in that fashion through the chest cavity, very seldom are they going to go beyond 200 to 300 yards from where they're shot. Most often, they will go 150 to 200 yards maximum. Mm-hmm. So by practicing your shooting, becoming proficient, being able to shoot accurately with bow and arrow or rifle, shotgun, whatever you're hunting with, that's an excellent way to practice and prepare for making clean kills on deer that are easy to recover. Oh, yeah. uh, many that's, deer that's shot with firearms, um, very seldom they'll go out of sight before they die if they're properly hit. Yeah, I shoot a 300 rum, and um, I haven't had too many deer actually even get out of their own <laughs> their own right. their own tracks when I shoot them with that. But uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, th- without a doubt, you know, shot placement is king. Yeah, but, you know, and we have this podcast, and we're talking about it because mainly because we're talking about the. The when that when it does when it goes wrong, you know. So mm-hmm. exactly, and is for those with a little experience on tracking wounded deer, um, I recommend reading my book or other books on the subject or magazine articles um, where mm-hmm. you can learn from the experience of others how they've recovered deer with various types of hits. Uh, so doing a lot of as much reading on the subject as possible is good preparation for when you're going to be faced with the same situation yourself when you're hunting. Absolutely. Well, um, that's all I got for you for questions, but I did want to ask you to, to share with us uh, one of your most memorable hunts. Um, maybe it involves the tracking, maybe it doesn't, but um, go ahead well, and give us what... what one of the bucks I shot last fall, John, um, I shot in a four-and-a-half-year-old eight-point with a crossbow in Michigan here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a tree stand, and the buck approached, and he was about 20 yards out. And as he approached, I got my crossbow up, and as he came within 20 yards, I put the crosshairs right behind his right front shoulder, and took the shot as he was still moving from left to right. And the crossbow bolt went so fast, but it looked like a, a good hit. I, I knew I hit the deer, and it turned and went back the way it came. 
So I was all excited about making what I thought was a good shot on this deer. So I climbed down from the tree stand, went up and looked for blood sign where the deer had been, and I found the arrow uh, just beyond where I'd hit him, and it was covered with stomach contents. And that was not a good sign. That's not what I wanted to find. But I thought perhaps because of the forward motion of the deer, then maybe I hit him farther back than I thought. So the first, as soon as I saw stomach contents on my arrow, I just turned and walked away quietly, as quietly as possible, and uh, went and got my brother. My, my brother was hunting from a different spot and got him, and I knew I wanted to wait two to three hours minimum before even starting going back to the area to look for blood sign. Uh, just in case it was a gut shot. I wanted to give the deer plenty of time. So we spent some time doing other things and went back, and it was three or four hours after I hit the deer. I hit the deer in the morning. I think it was 10 o'clock in the morning. Went back and found a very sparse blood trail, just spots here and there. But fortunately, that deer only went about 150 yards what had happened is when I took the shot, he was angling toward me, and mm-hmm. I got the lungs, but it angled through the body and went through the the paunch before it mm-hmm. exited, and that's where the yeah. stomach contents came from. So I, I did hit the lungs, made a good hit, and he only went 150 yards, but it was important to wait for a number of hours before just in case. I hit the deer farther back than I thought I had. But it was a beautiful buck, a 200-pound deer with a nice 18-inch inside spread, eight-point rack. Um, Cool. Awesome. So it's important to to look at, even though you think you may have had a good hit, some cases you don't. Uh, Look at the sign, the hair sign, um, the blood sign, and the arrow to try and confirm where he hit the animal. There is a series of color photos in my book, Tracking Wounded Deer, that shows how blood sign varies with different types of hits. And and the book is broken down into chapters based on different types of hits, and there's specific examples of how deer have been recovered with those types of hits that are excellent reference for hunters. Awesome. So where can our uh, listeners find out more about you and and the book? Uh, Just go to my website. Um, It's simply richardpsmith.com, and it's got all my books and DVDs that are available listed on the website, and there's a biography for me also on the website, and uh, some things about my photos I've taken and uh, things like that. Awesome. Is there any final words of wisdom you want to pass along to everybody? Well, when it comes to tracking wounded deer, as we mentioned at the beginning, every deer is different, and it's important to be persistent. Keep checking all the alternatives until you come to the right one, and uh, practice your shooting uh, so you can make the most accurate shot as possible. That will reduce the distance that deer will travel after you shoot them. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on and uh, sharing some of your knowledge with us. 
I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, Well, I appreciate the opportunity, you, John. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those of you out there that are uh, want it, you know, a little bit more in-depth look at it, uh, check out uh, Richard's uh, website and uh, pick up that book. Um, like I said, he's got, it's got examples in there, a little bit more detailed um, version of what we talked about. And, uh, and that's it. Well, thank you very much and uh, look forward to uh, maybe poking around some of those other books. Sounds good, John. All right. Have a good one. All right. You too.